Well, Luke 8, 22 through 25 records a wonderful episode in the life of Jesus and the disciples. We see Jesus' power over nature on display, and we're getting several things here in the coming weeks as we uh, work our way through Luke. We'll see Jesus' power and authority over nature, as we'll look at today, over, over the demonic activity in people's lives, uh, over people's health. Uh, all of these things show us the glory of Christ, and we want to see that today in this uh, wonderful account in Luke 8, 22 through 25. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word, and may we receive it as it is, God's word to us. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. Well, may God richly bless his holy, inspired, and inerrant word to us this morning. The Titanic is one of, if not the most famous, shipwreck in history. It was touted to be an unsinkable ship, but it sank during its maiden voyage. The ship only sailed about four days. It left Southampton. England on April 10th, 1912, and sank in the very early hours of April 15th. Is there, I don't know if there's a coincidence there with tax day. Uh, bad things seem to happen on April 15th, don't they? Well, this unsinkable ship hit an iceberg at 11.40 p.m. and broke apart and foundered at 2.20 a.m., it only took two hours and 40 minutes for this massive ship to sink, and there were more than 1,500 casualties. Now, no one could have imagined this disaster and this unsinkable ship, and the news of this tragedy was met with worldwide shock and outrage. People were shocked that it could happen, and of course, outraged at some of the incompetency and lack of provision for the people on the boat. People, especially the the passengers on the Titanic, they believed what they had been told about these Olympic-class ocean liners, and they got on that boat in full faith that she would not sink, and it turned out that their faith was misplaced. Well, Jesus and the disciples were almost in that same boat, pardon the pun, figuratively speaking. Uh, They were in a a storm. Uh, The Sea of Galilee is some 700 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by uh, rolling hills, and so the storms can brew and and come down on that, uh, that sea rather quickly. And they can be quite violent, as we see here today. And we know it was quite a violent storm because some of these disciples were seasoned fishermen. Think of Peter and Andrew, James and John. They were 
experienced fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. They've probably seen their share of storms. But here they are panicking. They are left without any recourse. And they're asking Jesus, who's a carpenter, for help. Well, unlike the Titanic, they were spared shipwreck and destruction. But not before they had a great scare. And Jesus asked them this most pertinent question that we should all contemplate today. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Not what is faith or how strong is your faith, but what is the object of your faith? Where is your faith placed? And what are you trusting to make your life secure? Now, many people put their trust for their lives in many things. Maybe it's in their bank account. Maybe it's in their life plan. Maybe it's in the, the, the work that they do. Um, what makes your life good and secure and worth living? But I'm afraid many people are like those folks on the Titanic. They're putting all their hope and faith in something that is not going to save them in the end. It's a, it's a sinking ship. And the question that's being begged here is, where is your faith? And faith, faith ought to be in Jesus. That's the only place that is truly secure. Now, think about this. At the time this storm was happening to these disciples in the middle of the Sea of Galilee... Where was the safest place on earth at that moment? You might think, well, obviously it was on the shore or in the comfort of my own home where it's all nice and dry and the winds are not blowing. But actually, the most secure and safe place on the face of the earth when that storm was hit, hitting those disciples in that boat was at that very spot with Jesus in that boat. Because there was no way that that boat was going to ever sink with Jesus and pretty much the church, the church that he is building in it. Because he was surrounded by most of his, I mean, his disciples were there. Of course, he had other followers as well. But the, the pillars of the church and Jesus himself was on that boat. It wasn't going to sink. There's no way that that boat was going to sink with Jesus and the disciples in it. Well, here's what I want to tell you today, and, and here's the sermon in a nutshell. Being in union and communion with Christ, no matter where following Jesus might take you, is the only place to be where security is guaranteed and perishing is not an option because Jesus is God and he cares for his people. Let me say that again because this is all you need to get here today. This is what I'm telling you. Being in union and communion with Christ, no matter where following him might take you, that is the only place to be where security is guaranteed and perishing is not an option because Jesus is God and cares for his people. So, get in the boat. Get in the boat with Jesus. And don't panic at the storms. 
But always depend on him and call on him and be ready to be in awe at what you experience there. Well, Luke has written two books in the New Testament. He's written this gospel and he's written the book of Acts. And in those books, he tells us why he has written them. In Luke 1, 4, he tells us that he's researched and talked to people and done all his work. He's written this account so that we may have certainty or security in the things that we have been taught. And Acts is the sequel. He says in Acts 1.1, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And there's an implication there that Jesus is, in Luke, we see his life and all that he began to do and teach. And then when we get to Acts, it's all that Jesus continues to do and teach. Although he's not physically present, he's continuing to do and teach through his disciples, through the apostles, and the church is being built. That's why the book is called The Acts of the Apostles. It ought to be the acts of Jesus through the apostles. Well, Luke is commending Jesus to us as the object of our faith. According to Luke, we need to firmly know the facts about who Jesus is and what he did and taught so that our faith in Jesus is strengthened. He wants us to know all about Jesus so our faith in him will be firmer. Luke wants Jesus to be the object of our faith. And he is showing you in this book and in this particular account of the stilling of the storm why he's worthy to be trusted and why he is worthy to be the object of your faith. Now, there are two rhetorical questions in this passage. We've already looked at one, where is your faith? And we'll look at that more. But uh, the second question uh, the disciples ask is, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And these are questions that we need to ask ourselves today. Who, who is Jesus? And if he is who he says he is, then where's your faith? Is it on this one? And let's just break down what I've said here, first of all. Being in union and communion with Christ by faith is a very secure spot. It's guaranteed security. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. No possibility of perishing if you're trusting in Christ. Those disciples had united themselves by faith to Christ. They lived in communion with Him, traveling with Him, and now they're with Him on this boat. They're going to go across the Sea of Galilee into a Gentile area. And here's a, here's a little, there's next week's sermon, but a, a, something that we can comment a little bit about He's going to go all the way over there and he's really going to only preach and save one person. And it's this crazy demonic guy that lives in the tombs that everyone's frightened of. He goes there, he encounters him as soon as he hits the shore. He casts the demons out from him and tells the guy to stay there and tell everybody what's happened to him. He gets back in the boat and goes across. So all this trouble Jesus goes through through the storms for this one guy. 
Isn't that wonderful? We'll talk more about that next week. I just love that. It's one of my favorite accounts in Scripture. But the disciples are getting taken through this storm, through peril, on this mission, and what a ride they had. And Mark tells us that when the storm hits, and they're, I'm sure they're over there bailing and you know, trying to get the water out, and they're using at least the fishermen's expertise, and you know, they, they're all out of options. They're going to die. They, they're convinced. And you know, the, the different accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have them saying different things, and I'm sure they're all saying different things to Jesus all at once. Lord, save us. Lord, don't you care that we're dying here? Wake up. Help, Jesus. They had placed their faith in their own skill, in their own abilities, but finally they realized we need to turn to this guy to help us. We need to turn to Jesus to help us. He does care. He does care that people are perishing. He doesn't hear the storm. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't hear the storm, but he hears his people when they call upon him. Now, following Jesus, you know, it's like the old song, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. It's, it's not easy to follow Jesus. There's no guarantees that it, everything's going to be all roses and perfect and calm. But what is guaranteed is that you'll never perish. You're secure in Christ. He may take you places you never thought you'd go and he may put you in situations that you think, I think I'm going to die here. But you'll never perish following Jesus. So when that storm was striking that boat with Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, there was no safer place to be. With Jesus, united to him and trusting in him is the safest place we can be. Why? Well, look at who he is. A, he can, he's, he's God. He can still the wind and the waves with a word. He just rebukes them. He says, peace be still, according to the other gospel accounts. You can go in your bathtub, you know, fill it up with water, and you can stir it up, and you can sit there and say, peace be still, all you want, but nothing's going to happen because you're not God. He is. I mean, what a, an awesome experience to have where you, you, know, you think at one moment you're dying like these disciples thought they did. And like I said, they're fishermen. They've been through a storm or two in their lives. They aren't, weren't easily rattled on the sea, but this was a big one. They thought they, had, they, thought they were going to be sinking down to the bottom of the ocean. And Jesus wakes up, and with a word, it's slick as can be. When I was growing up, I used to love to water ski over Presley's Outing over in Forts Lake, Franklin Creek Road, back that way. And we'd love those days when there were no other boats on the lake, 
and it was just like glass, you know, just serene, and you could ski along without any impediments. Well, that's what that, that's the picture I get of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus says that word, and it's just slick immediately. That's power at his disposal. But you notice that Jesus didn't make it slick the whole way. They went through a storm. They went through a trial. Think about what we just sung, Isaiah 43. Not, you won't ever pass through the fire. You won't ever pass through the water and the rivers. But when you pass through the fire, you'll not be burned. When you go through the waters, you know, I'll be with you. Do not fear. Because you won't perish with Jesus. Yeah, you might encounter some storms. You might have difficulties in life, yes. You might face persecution, but you won't perish. You'll have eternal life with Jesus. Paul says it, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Listen to this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Yeah, we might be afflicted, crushed, perplexed. Those things might happen to us. We might get persecuted and struck down, but we're not going to be destroyed. We're not going to... None of that is not going to ultimately doom us. Because, as Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Didn't say you won't have tribulation. You'll have tribulation. Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Yeah, you're going to have all those things. But you're not going to be separated from his love. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, when you are, by faith, united to Christ, and that's what happens, that's what a believer, that's how we get all the benefits from Jesus. By faith, we are united to him. And we should walk in communion with him, in closeness to him. We're united to him by faith. So all that he accomplished in his life and death and resurrection is ours. We're called, as believers, the body of Christ. He's the head of the body. We're attached to him so that his death paid the penalty for sin. His perfect life filled all righteousness. This gets credited to our account. And his resurrection shows that we are his forever and that we will be with him forever in the new heavens and new earth with glorified bodies. All of this is guaranteed because we have embraced him in faith. He is ours. And as we live our lives in communion with him, staying as close to him as we can, we will have that assurance that, yes, we may experience difficulties, there may be storms in life, but we will never perish 
never perish. You will never be destroyed. You will, you will not go to hell. If you stay on the shore, you never get to see the storm stilled. You can play it safe in your life and try to do things your own way, but you're going to be like the Titanic. You're going to, at the end of it all, you're going to sink. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to perish. But if you get in the boat with Jesus and put your trust fully in Him, yes, you may encounter some difficulties in life, but you get to see His, his glory unveiled in how He works and acts on your behalf. And you know He will. Yes, He's God. And He took on human flesh for us. You, you see Him there. Why is He asleep? Well, He's, he's not only God. <laughs> you see these two things side by side. He's, he's God and can still the, the wind and the waves with a word but he's also a man. He's worn out from preaching and healing people and doing all those good things that he was doing on the shores of the Sea of Galilee beforehand. So he's exhausted. But he took on human flesh. He, he came down from heaven, took on human flesh to save us because otherwise we'd be like those people on the Titanic, headed for destruction spiritual destruction because of our sin. But he came and dealt with a problem. So being in union and communion with Christ, no matter where following him might take you, that's the only place to be where security is guaranteed and perishing is not an option. Because Jesus is God and he, he cares for his people. He's shown that by laying down his life for us. That we would not perish but have eternal life. So let us put our trust in Christ. Yes, you need Jesus in your life. You need to embrace him by faith, which means that you are abandoning all of your own self-saving ways, everything that you're doing in order to save yourself. And you're saying, I can't save myself. I recognize that I'm a sinner I need someone outside myself to save me. And that person is Jesus. The one who can steal the wind and the waves. The one who cares so much that he died for you. So you need to be united to him by faith. To, give, to, to take your life out of your own hands and put it in his hands. And say, Lord, where are you going to take me? I'll go wherever you want me to, to go and do whatever you would have me to do. That's what it means to live in union and communion with Christ. And you're guaranteed an ultimate future in the new heavens and new earth. Yes, one day you will probably die. There's a, like a one in one chance of that, unless the Lord returns before, before then. But you won't die eternally. You will be raised with Christ because you are united to him by faith. So you have a future a real physical future in the new heavens and new earth. And that frees you up, doesn't it? I, I can follow him freely, and I can even go into the, the face of danger through the storm 
with Jesus if he calls me to go there because I know my future, my eternal future, is secure in his, in his, in his hands. So I want to exhort you to put your trust in Christ and know that security, true security, true peace with God that only Christ can give us. Put your life in His hands. Get in the boat. And don't panic at the storms. Know that He's he's on the case. Call upon Him. He hears His people and He responds. And just get ready to be in awe at what He does with and in your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to to live our lives like little children who can't really walk too well and we're constantly reaching to you to hold us up. Lord, help us not to rest in our own works, our own goodness, our own morality, or whatever any other million things that we rest in. Jesus, we pray that we would turn it all over to you and that you would save us. And Lord, help us to follow you wherever you might take us, whether it does take us into peril or not. We pray that we would be willing to follow you and not panic, but continue to trust you day in and day out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.